If you want to open your Bibles this morning, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Now, this message today will help you tremendously. It's going to help you tremendously. Now, the first part of it is pretty tough. But I'm just going to be reading and explaining the Word of God. And it's pretty tough. But, as you get toward the end... You find a promise from God that will absolutely encourage you and give you hope and give you the strength to keep standing strong in the battle that we have with the world, the flesh, and the devil. I want to speak to you about living a holy life in an unholy world. The question is, is it possible? To live a holy life in an unholy world. I don't have to describe you of the atmosphere and the cloud over this world. Wickedness abounds. We're finding the depravity of the human heart. We're finding that in many religious groups there's no difference between them and the world. But you see God has called us who know Jesus personally as our Lord and Savior, he has called us to live a holy life in an unholy world. And I want to show you from the Word of God, not my opinion, I want to show you from the Word of God how you can live a holy life in an unholy world. Now I'm going to go through the first 13 verses of 1 Corinthians 10. And I'm going to go through them a a segment at a time. Now, in verses 1 through 4, which we'll be looking at the screen in a moment, I want to show you how that the, the nation... Let me tell you what Paul did. Paul took the nation of Israel and how God brought them out of the land of Egypt, was heading them to the promised land, and it shows how God, they all had the same blessing from God. That they all experienced God's presence when God brought them out of Egypt and headed them toward the promised land. So let's look at the scripture. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers, now he was talking about the Israelites. You say, Brother Fred, how did Paul know so much about the deliverance of Israel from Egypt? How did he know so much about what happened? Let me listen. You don't understand. Paul was a Jewish, Jewish Pharisee. He studied under Gamaliel, one of the greatest Jewish teachers. He was the, probably the number one Pharisee in the Jewish religion. And he was committed to persecute and destroy the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he looked back on and, and, and he caught, recalled to mind all that happened when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. And he applied it to us today. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers who were under the cloud, listen, all were under the cloud. That was the presence of God. All of them that came out of Egypt were under the cloud. That's the presence of God. That all that were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Not only did all of them have the that cloud by uh, day and pillar of fire by night. But God took them all through on dry ground through the Red Sea, he said. And says, and all, in verse 2, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. So they all were led out by God. They all experienced God's presence. And they all were baptized into Moses. And and, and verse 3 says, They all ate the same spiritual food. So he's talking about the blessings that these people had. They all ate the same spiritual food. And he goes on in verse 4 and says, And they all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. You see, Paul saw Jesus. He saw Jesus when... They came out under the cloud. It was the presence of God. 
He saw Jesus when they were brought through the Red Sea, coming out of bondage from Egypt. And he saw Jesus as they were all uh, drank the sa- ate the same spiritual uh, food and drank the same spiritual drink. And then he said, <laughs> and, the, and the, the rock that they drank from was Jesus. So he says Jesus was in all of this. You say, well, Brother Fred, but I guarantee you all those Israelites that had that wonderful spiritual experience had that wonderful encounter of God, with God, saw the mighty hand of God. Boy, I guarantee you, man, they, they went on with God. Look at verse 5, the tragedy. They looked at this. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. What a tragedy. They had all experienced God's presence and God's glory. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies, listen, were scattered in the wilderness. They never got into the promised land. They died in the wilderness. You say, how in the world, Pastor? With all, they all had the same encounter with God. They all saw, experienced the hand of God. They all knew the presence of God. But then they just absolutely turned from God. And because of their disobedience, they died. And the bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And you go on and read the next verse. Now, this is very, very, very encouraging, but it's very startling. All these things, now all these things became our example. Time out. What I just read to you about how God, they all came out and had the same spiritual experience. Paul said, they were our example. I mean, our example. Now, all these things became our example to the intent, now don't miss this, that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. You see, they had all the blessings of God, but they lusted after evil things. That's why they were scattered in the wilderness. And Paul says that they are an example for us that, that we won't make that same tragic mistake and lust after evil things. And then he goes on, and this is, this is kind of hard, but it shows you the human heart when it doesn't turn to God. And it t- he said, now don't, don't do like they did. All right, look what he says. Do not become idolaters as some of them, as were some of them. It is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, what's that talking about? Well, Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He was up there a little while. And they went to Aaron and said, look, we don't know what's happened to Moses. But he ain't showed up. So what, 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 what we need to do, uh, we need a, a God to worship. And, and you see, they had worshipped false gods in Egypt. So they gave all their earrings and all their gold and silver and it says that Aaron threw it in the fire. Come on. And out came a golden calf. Oh, yeah. And then they began to worship the golden calf. Can you believe it now? This is all of those that in verse 1 through 4 came out of Egypt and had the same spiritual blessings. And, 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 and so just because Moses was on the mountains a little while longer, they made a golden calf and began to worship it. And, boy, I'm telling you, it says, it says, do not become idolaters, as many of them were, who said, let's sit down and uh, rose up to eat and drink and rose up to play. They were, they were guilty of idolatry. Don't you think if God had led you through the Red Sea on dry ground, if you don't think that God had fed you from, with, a rock, with water from a rock and supernaturally fed you food, you would see the hand of God. Oh, short memory, short memory, short memory. Here's Moses up on the mountain a little while. We'll get us a God to worship. And man, it was tragic. And, 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 and then it goes on and says, Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. Now listen to this. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Here they were. God had brought them out. They just gave in to the lust of the flesh. Committed sexual immorality. And 23,000 Israelites died in one day. And then it goes on and says here, 
Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted him and were destroyed by serpents. That was referring back to when uh, they, they were murmuring against God and, and, and God sent the uh, snakes to bite them. And when the snakes bit them, they died. And he told, and, and the story goes that God told uh, Moses or Aaron to build a, 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 go, a, a, a golden snake and put it on the top of a thing. And whoever looked to that would live and all those who didn't look were died. And, and so thousands of them, thousands of them. And let us, and don't, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Then he goes on to say, well, this is pretty strong here. Nor complain, complain, as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, you got two segments here. You got how they all had the same spiritual experience with God that was real. But many of them lusted after evil things, idolatry, sexual immorality, uh, comp- uh, murmuring and com- tempting God, murmuring and complaining, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, you say, well, what's that got to do with me? I want you to look at this verse. It's speaking exactly to you this morning and to me this morning. I know what an example is. I know what one is. And you're supposed to follow an example. Just like Jesus told the disciples in the upper room after he had washed their feet and was showing them what it was a servant. He said, now you need to follow my example and be a servant. Well, now look what it says here. Now all these things happened to them. All that happened to Israel. All that happened. All that happened to them. As, now all these things happened to them as examples. Are you ready? And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages has come. Did you know God put all that in the Bible and let us read what happened to the Israelites, how they fell in the wilderness, how they lusted after evil things? And he said, now I put this in the Bible so you would, be, you would understand and you would be warned that they were an example to those who would live at the end of the age. You say, well, Brother Fred, that was bad. God had blessed them. They had experienced God's presence. But man, they just turned away from God. And most of them died in the wilderness. And God was saying to us, man, you, you better not lust after evil things like they did. You better not do that. And because they're an example. You say, well, let me tell you something. That would never happen to me. I'm too strong. I, I got better sense. Well, look at verse 12. You just set yourself up. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know what God says? The person says, I'm beyond that. I, I would never, ever turn away from the Lord. Uh, some of you are already away from the Lord, and you say, well, that's just who I am. He said, but some of you are saying, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'd never be an idolater, and I'd never commit sexual immorality, and, and I would never tempt God, and I would never murmur at God for what happens in my life. He said, well, let me just tell you, you, that, but you let, therefore let him who thinks he stands, you better take heed lest you fall, because you've been set up by the enemy to fall. I've had people say, well, that, that, would ne- I would never, that would never happen to me. I'd never go there. But you know what? Somehow in their pride, they thought they, they couldn't, but they did. Now, here's where we wanted to go. Now, here's the promise. This is how you live a holy life in an unholy world. Now, this is the promise, and it is an awesome promise. And it is present today. And it's a promise for you And it's a promise for me. It is a promise that says you can live a holy life in an unholy world. You do not have to lust after evil things like the Israelites did. You don't have to lust after evil things like the people in this sinful world do. Listen, you don't have to. You can live a holy life in an unholy world. And let's look at verse 13. We're going to study it. No temptation has taken you except as is common to man. 
But God is faithful who will not let you be tempted beyond what you can uh, beyond what you are able but with the temptation will make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it all right he said here's what you find God saying here you know everybody's tempted there's no temptation taking you. This verse will be on the screen a while. There's no verse, no temptation taking you, but just common to man. We all are tempted, and most, a lot of times we're all tempted in the same ways. He says, but now listen, when you're tempted, are you listening to me? It says, but God is faithful. Oh, God is faithful in the midst of our temptation. He will not allow you. Come on, I love this. Who will not allow you. To be tempted more than you can overcome. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. In other words, he says, but with the temptation will make a way of escape. So that you'll be able to bear it. Now let me tell you three things about temptation. First of all, I want you to remember this. God will never tempt any person to do evil. God will never do that. In the book of James, the first chapter, verses 13 through 16, now listen to what it says. Now, I'm, I'm giving you a basic understanding that God says he's faithful. He will not let you be tempted more than you can overcome, but will with the temptation offer you a way to escape that you may be able to overcome, that you may be able to live a holy life in an unholy world. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Well, God told me to do that. Have you ever heard some of the evil things that people have done and said, well, God told me to do that. Oh, come on, give me a break. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. I mean, listen, he says, God's never going to tempt you to evil. And then he goes on and says, each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire. And, and, and you're drawn away by your own desire. Uh, each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Look at the next verse. Then when desire has conceived, <laughs> it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And, and so it tells us plainly that God never tempts us to evil. Temptation comes, and I'm going to show you where it comes from. And if we're not careful, we're drawn away by our own desire and enticed. And when it is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Therefore, do not be, but, uh, be, be, but do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Okay, one, God never tempts us to do evil. Number two, you need to listen to this. Temptation is not a sin. It is not a sin to be tempted. It is only when you yield to the temptation that it becomes a sin. I remember growing up in church in Rock Hill, and I remember us singing that song. I just remember it said, Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. And it would go on, and I used to remember the rest of the verse, but I don't anymore. But, it, but the truth is there. I want you to know, hey, it ain't a, it's not a sin to be tempted. In fact, you know, here, here's the reality, the reality of it. Jesus was tempted. Isn't it amazing? Now, let me tell you about Jesus. He is the Son of God, perfect deity. He is 100% God. Don't ever forget that. Jesus is not a God. No, he is the God. He is full, absolute, perfect deity. He's the Son of God. There's God the Father and God the Son. But Jesus also is the Son of Man. He is the last Adam. Jesus was born into this world exactly like you and I were born into this world. 
except he was not born with a sinful nature. Well, why was that? Because Jesus had no earthly father. That sin passed down from Adam. And we all got a sinful nature from Adam. But Jesus, because he was born of the Virgin Mary, had no earthly father. And he was born without a sinful nature. But, it, but still, he was tempted. He got hungry. He got tired. He knew what it was to be attacked and, and, and tempted by the devil. And, and, and look at what it says in Hebrews 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who represents us to the Father, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Don't give in to the discouragement. Don't give in to the doubt. Don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the lies of the devil. You'll never, ever be able to live a holy life. Don't give in to that. We have a high priest who, since we do, since we do not have a high priest, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Hey, Jesus knows what you go through when you're tempted. You see, he was tempted. And so therefore, he understands what you're going through when you're tempted. It says he cannot, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But in all points, do you believe this? But in all points, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Wow. So it's not a sin to be tempted. It's only a sin when you yield to the temptation. And Jesus was tempted like we were, but he never sinned, but he understands. But he is there, and let me tell you what it says. Since Jesus was tempted like we are and never sinned, you know what it says to do? Where do you go when you're tempted? Look at verse 16. Let us therefore, since we have a high priest that's passed through the heavens, since we have a high priest who was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin, he understands our weakness. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Hallelujah. Anybody in here need mercy? We all need mercy, praise God. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Here, and this is how you live a holy life and an unholy life. And let us find grace to help us. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come to our high priest and let us find grace to help in the time of need. Boy, you're being tempted. Man, the enemy is coming against you like a flood. And you just come to Jesus and say, help me, Jesus. Jesus, I, am, I, I need you. I cannot overcome this in my own strength but I deliberately will and choose to resist this temptation. So you come boldly to the throne of grace. Jesus, have mercy on me and give me the grace I need to overcome this temptation. All right, now, having said that, there, there are three things that I want to say to you about temptation. Here they are. The reality of temptation I'm going to go back and read again 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation to overtaken you except what is common to man. But God is faithful who will not let you be tempted above which you're able. Uh, you, you can't say, God, I can't do it because he knows you can't, but he's going to help you. Beyond, tempted beyond what you're able. But will with a temptation... Make you a way of escape. Come on. Listen. You have a way of escape that is made by Almighty God. And you can't go before God and say, I, couldn't, I can't help it. It's just the way I am. No, you can't say that. Because God says, no, you don't understand. I made a way for you to escape. And you did not choose to, to make my way of escape. You made a choice to give in to the temptation. God is common, who will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able, but we want the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to stand it. Okay, all of us are tempted. Who was the first person who gives us a vivid picture of what it is to be tempted? It was Eve. I mean, you talk about a classic lesson on temptation. Well, let's just read it. Now, I want you just to look. How the enemy came against Eve. This is exactly the way the devil comes against us. It says, 
Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And so he put a question in Eve's mind. That's what the devil does. He puts a question in your mind. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tea of the garden? Of course, uh, God had said that. And of course, Eve knew that. And of course, the devil knew that. But he put a question mark in Eve's mind. Now, now, has God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, yeah, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but... The fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, you know what the devil is. He's a liar and the father of lies. And listen to what he says. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not die. He called God a liar. The devil's a liar, a father of lies. He says, listen, I'll just hear about how bad drugs are or how bad alcohol is or how bad his sexual sin is or how bad bitterness is or unforgiveness is or, or, or all that stuff. He said, you, you've heard about all this. He said, let me tell you something. It ain't that bad. It, it won't affect you. You won't die. You won't die. No, no. He, he lies. He lies. In fact, he says, you'll be better off. Listen to what he said, told Eve. He said, you're not going to die if you eat of that tree. And he said, in, but in fact, God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes are going to be opened. And you will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The devil died, lied. And then he appealed to the ego of Eve and said, See, God doesn't want what's best for you. God's a cosmic killjoy. God doesn't want what's best. He wants you to live your life sucking lemons and getting baptized in pickle juice. God does not want what's best for you. Boy, you follow Jesus and you're going to have one miserable life. Just one problem, that's a lie. Jesus did not come to give us a miserable life. He came to do what? Give us abundant life. So the woman saw, and here's, here's how temptation does. First of all, there's the lust of the eyes. Look at verse 6. So the woman saw, oh, she looked at the tree, that the, that, that, that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. Oh, she looked at the tree, and the devil said, look how good that's going to be. And he tempted her in his body. It was good for food and a thing to be desired. So temptation first came through her eyes to her body. And then he had tempted in her soul. A tree desirable to make one wise. Not only will that eating of that tree make you better physically. Oh, soulishly. Intellectually, mind, emotions, and will, you will be complete. He said, I'm telling you, it's, it's pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. So she took of the fruit and ate. She had the lust of the eyes. It was a thing uh, to be desired. It would make her wise. She would be just like God, knowing good and evil. So she gave it to her husband, and he ate. He ate. Well, now, there's, there's just a picture of the first temptation. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. That, there it is. That's where, where temptation comes. It's the lust of our eyes, the, lust of the, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. But, but now let me go on, though. Remember I'm saying now the reality of temptation? It is not a sin to be tempted Eve was tempted. She gave it to Adam. He ate, and he was tempted. And we're still living, uh, if we're lost, as a result of Adam's sin because we were born with a sinful nature. Now, if you're in Christ, the power of that sinful nature has been broken, but still it, it, it re resulted in Adam and Eve's sin. But now what about Jesus? He was tempted. In fact, you do realize 
that the Holy Spirit gave uh, about 11, I think he gave um, 11 verses to describe the temptation of Jesus. Now, why would the Holy Spirit in the Word of God not only give us a vivid description of the temptation of Eve, so we would know the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life, but then he gives us a vivid description, a full description of the temptation of Jesus so that we would understand what temptation is like. So let's look at these verses, and I want you to see them. All right, now this is a very startling verse. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You know, the Bible says he went at all points tempted like we were. It was the Father's will. Because he, he knew every one of us was going to be tempted. So by the, he had just been baptized. The dove had descended from heaven like, and the Holy Spirit came on Jesus. And God had spoken, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately after he was filled with the Spirit, God led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I want you to notice he tempted Jesus the same way. He tempted Eve. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. All right, now, when the tempter, that's a good description of the devil. When the tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, of course he's the son of God. Like Jesus didn't know that. He wouldn't put a question in Jesus' mind. If you're the son of God, command these stones to be made to bread. Jesus, you're hungry. You give in to the desires of your body. So he tempted Jesus in his body. And that's where he tempts us in our bodies. He tempted Jesus in his body. So what did Jesus say? But he answered and said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that come, proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knew he could speak to those stones and they'd be turned to bread. It would not have been evil for Jesus to eat bread. But he was not about to let the devil cause him to use his power on himself. And so he, when Satan tempted him in the body, he answered him with the word of God. He said in Deuteronomy, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but you live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And he stuck the sword in the devil, and the devil said, I lost that one. And then he came to the next place, and the devil tempted him in his soul, mind, emotions, and will. The devil took him up into, into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. It's like him being on the top of our, uh, 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 what do you call that, steeple outside in our church. It's like Jesus being on the very top of the steeple of our church. And listen to what he says. Boy, he was tempting to his soul, his emotions. He said, boy, you want to be famous? You want these people to really know how powerful you are and how well you know God? He said to him, if you're the son of God, jump down, throw yourself down. Just leap off the pinnacle of the temple. Leap off the steeple. He will, for it is written, hey, did you know the devil knows the Bible? He always takes it out of context. I'm afraid he knows the Bible more than some of us know it. For the devil said, it is written, he will give his angels charge over you. And, and, and in their hands, they will bear you up. They will catch you before you hit the ground, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Boy, the devil lied and appealed to Jesus. Boy, you, in his soul, you want to be famous, man. Uh, his mind, his emotions, his will. Just remember, God will take care of you. And he quoted the Bible out of context. But Jesus answered him. Boy, he knew what he was doing. He said, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He answered him from Deuteronomy. See, both times Jesus took the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and jabbed it in the devil's heart. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. And he answered him in the devil lost. He said, I lost that one. And then it goes to the next one. He tempted Jesus in his body. Tempted him in his soul. But now, 
the greatest of all temptations, he tempted Jesus in his spirit. Oh, he comes to tempt people in their spirit where God dwells and how they can commune with God and have fellowship with God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him, now get this, a panoramic view. He showed Jesus all the kingdoms of this world. All the kingdoms. Now, the Bible says of the devil, he's the prince of the power of the air. But did you know the Bible says he's the prince of this world system? See, what's happened when God takes his hand off, then the devil is the prince of this world system, and that's why it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse in America today because we chose not to have God in, as a part of our lives. We didn't, but the world has in America, and so he took his protective hand, and it's getting worse and worse and worse because the devil owns this world system. And he said, he, he, took, him, he took him up on the mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said this to them. Back in verse 8. All these things I will give you. If you will fall down. And worship me. Now I, I tell you what. They're bad temptations. They're all wicked. They're all evil. They all lead to death. But I'm going to tell you something. When you cross that line. And you worship the devil, instead of worshiping God, you have crossed a line. He said, Jesus, all you got to do is just worship me, and all of this is yours. Well, Jesus knew it was already his anyway, and he was going to take it back. He knew that. But you know how Jesus answered him? And you, you need to get this. Jesus answered him in verse 10. Away with you, Satan. Now, I want you to get this, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus knew you, you serve the God you worship. If you choose to serve the devil and worship the devil, you're going to serve the God that you worship. But Jesus knew that if you choose to worship Yahweh, then you're going to serve him. It says here, uh, it is written, uh, uh, back at verse uh, 10, Away with you, Satan. It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And Satan departed. He departed from him. Okay. That's the reality of temptation. We all are tempted. Now, let, let me tell you this, and we can do this fairly quickly. Where does temptation come from? Three places. I'm going to give them to you. Number one, the wicked world system. All temptation comes from this world in which you live in. All right? And it gives you in John 1 John 2.15, you just underline this and go back and study it and pray over it. I'm telling you, many of the temptations you face, is you, when you get up in the morning, open your eyes, they're everywhere. They're all around you. Billboards, television, people talking, just your own eyes. It says here, do not love the world. See, temptation comes from the world system. That's not talking about the created world. That's talking about the spiritual world. Do not love the world of evil. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Don't tell me you love God if you love the world. The world system that's evil. Well, what is the world system? I, I love to fish, Brother Fred. I love the outdoors. Hey, he's not talking about the created world. The heavens declare the glory of God. And, and, the, heavens de uh, and the earth showeth his handiwork. Hey, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. That reminds me of Eve. It's a desire. It's good for food. The lust of the eyes. It was pleasant to her eyes. And the pride of life. It will make you like God. He said, do not love the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, it is of the world. So, the world system will tempt you. Here's the second thing. The flesh, that's that nature you got from Adam 
when he sinned. Uh, uh, for, and it goes on and says about, hey, we get tempted from the flesh. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It didn't say you wouldn't have them, but it said you wouldn't give in to them. So walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh fights against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. There's a war between the Holy Spirit and the flesh. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another, so that sometimes you do not do what you want to do. Temptation comes from the world system. Temptation comes from the flesh. You know, the world system is the external foe. And the flesh is the internal foe. But the third place temptation comes is from the devil. 1 Peter 5, 8, look at it. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring, roaring lion, walks about, seeking whom he may intimidate, seeking whom he may devour, seeking whom he may cause to fall into the trap of temptation. And it says, resist him. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay. So we realize that all people are tempted and that all temptations come from the world, the flesh, and the devil. We realize that we're tempted in our bodies, tempted in our soul, tempted in our spirit. I'll read, I'll read a couple of verses that show about this. It says that this describes how we're tempted in our body and how we sin in our body and how we sin in our spirit, how we sin in our flesh. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, that's sexual sin. The major temptation God does in people's body, man or woman, teenager, whatever, is to tempt them to sexual sin in their body. And then the next thing is spiritual sin. Idolatry, this is right, idolatry and sorcery. Uh, those are spiritual sins. Well, I know what idolatry is. It's worshiping, having something you love and worship more than God. But you know what sorcery is? The word sorcerer or, sorcerer or sorcery comes from where it means to use potions. It's like a pharmacist. A sorcerer was like a pharmacist. But when he practiced sorcery, he was practicing drugs that affected the mind and emotions and caused people to do crazy things. And so that's a spiritual sin because you're looking to some substance to give you what only God can give you. And so sorcery is, is, is uh, idolatry and sorcery are spiritual sins. Sexual sins in the body, spiritual sins. And then look at the last one. It, it tells us what our, uh, our solely sins are. Boy, I mean, this is, it says hatred, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, partying, of and the like of which I tell you beforehand, as I've told you in the past, those who practice these things will not go to heaven. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, the realm of temptation is in our body, our soul, and our spirit. Now, here's the way of escape. Boy, praise God. You know what the way of escape is? I want you to look with me at John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Boy, I tell you, this is, this is the victory. This is the way of escape, y'all. I'm telling you, I've been saved since I was nine, but really, really began to walk with God and when I was about 20, but then really began to walk with God when I was about, um, let's see, how old was I? Uh, I was 34 when I... When I was about uh, uh, 28 is when God took me from uh, serving him and knowing him to another level. But, I, you know, uh, I'm telling you, 
This, this is where the victory is. This is where, this is your way of escape. Are you listening to me? It works because it's true. And if you obey the truth, it sets you free. And if you obey the truth, it's a way of escape. Do you understand? It says, now Jesus, after this, Jesus knowing that all things, he's on the cross, by the way. Here he is, the son of God, the son of man. A crown of thorns on his brow. His beard plucked out. The blood running down his cheeks. They spit in his face. They slapped his face. They mocked him. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Thank God he didn't. There he is, wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The lovely... Beloved, majestic, son of God. Dying on a cross for you and me and for the wickedness in our lives. And it says here, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished and that the scripture had been fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now, they took a vessel full of sour wine that was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with the wine on a hyssop, and he put it up to his mouth. Now, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, All right, stay with me. Jesus said, in the Greek it says, He cried with a loud voice. And it was a shout of victory. It was a shout of triumph. He said, all things are now accomplished. I have done what the Father sent me to earth to do. And he said, in these words of triumph, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He was just getting started. He said, I have paid the price for sin. I have shed my precious blood. All sin, past, present, and future has been canceled by my blood. It has been done, and if a person will come to me and receive it, they can know forgiveness. He said, it is finished. I have overcome, I have defeated and overcome sin and provided a perfect sacrifice. I have defeated and overcome the world, and I have defeated and overcome the devil. I have sealed his eternal fate in the pit of hell. He said, it is finished. And I'm telling you, it is the finished work of Jesus. The finished work of Jesus that gives us the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I don't go to battle. Hallelujah. I give the Lord a hand. I don't go to battle in my own power. And the enemy comes and tempts me with the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. I don't try to talk myself out of it. I want to look him square in the face and say, I want to say to the world system, you are defeated by the Son of God. And I have overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb. And I want to say to the flesh, I am dead to sin and alive to God because Jesus put to death my sinful nature. And I want to say to the devil, you are under the feet of Jesus. And because you're under his feet you're under my feet and you have no authority over me and I resist you in the name and the power of the son of God what's the way of escape Jesus he's the way of escape yield to him surrender to him trust him when the tempter comes let Jesus answer the door let Jesus be the one and you say in the name of Jesus I refuse that temptation in the name of Jesus I cast it down and the word of God says that no temptation has taken me but such is common to man but God has offered me a way of escape and his name is Jesus I'm telling you through the finished work of Christ through his precious blood and you know the Bible says God raised him from the dead and it says if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son stay with me much more being reconciled will be saved by his life oh we're saved by his life you know I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me it is the life of Jesus in us 
that is a way of escape. I love 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you, Jesus, than he that is in the world. I want to say this to you. Through the finished work of Christ on the cross, nowhere else you can, win, you can find the way of escape. Now that means you've got to be saved. You've got to be yielded to Jesus. You've got to be surrendered to Jesus. You've got to let him be in control of your life. That when temptation comes, the, Jesus, the presence of Jesus in you by the Holy Spirit, you can look at that temptation and you can refuse it in the mighty name of Jesus. You can cast it into the depths of the sea and you overcome that temptation, not in your power, but by the power of Jesus Christ that is in you. And you overcome that temptation by the blood of Christ that won the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. The victory has been won, and it says in, in, uh, in 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Listen, you say, Brother Fred, I'm tired of being tempted. Well, you, 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 you're going to stay tired until you're going to keep being tempted till you get to heaven. Now, don't put yourself in a place of temptation. God says to run from some things. Did you know that? Read the Bible, and he'll tell you to run from some things. And you better run pretty fast, okay? But you just remember this. When you're tempted, you, you come against that temptation in the finished work of Jesus, and you, you resist it in the power of his blood and the victory on the cross and by his Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, there is a way of escape. There is a way of escape, but you've got to be yielded to Jesus. You've got to be surrendered to him. You've got to walk closely with him every day. He can't be somebody that you call when you're in trouble. He can't be just somebody that you tip your hat to for a little while on Sunday morning. Oh, no, 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 no. A thousand times no. He has to be your life because it is a battle. It is a battle for your, for, for your life. And it will go on until it is over. So I am saying to you, the way of escape is the finished work of Jesus and you living a life that is yielded completely to him and you let him answer the world and you let him answer the devil you let him answer the flesh and you will escape and you'll live a holy life in an unholy world.